Welcome to Blackhawks Insider, the official podcast of the Chicago Blackhawks, presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. I'm Carter Baum, and coming up on this week's episode, Adam Burrish and I dive into the much-needed win over Florida on Tuesday night, the crucial stretch ahead for the Blackhawks, plus Connor Murphy joins the show to discuss his somewhat quiet but impactful season on the blue line. All that and more coming up right now on Blackhawks Insider, presented by your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealers. It's all about the drive. Hey Blackhawk fans, your local Chevy dealers have an opportunity for you to score big. Are you ready to win an autographed Patrick Kane Chicago Blackhawks jersey? Go to ChevyDrivesChicago.com and register right now. You can't win if you don't enter. Take your best shot. Why not? Someone's got to win number 88's jersey, so it might as well be you. You must be 18 years or older to register. Go for it. Wear what Patrick Kane wears and drive what Kane and Taves drive. Offer ends March 31st. Welcome into Blackhawks Insider. Carter Baum, Adam Burrish back with you once again. And Burr, we have to dive right into last night's game. We're sitting here on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, the Blackhawks, Tuesday night, a big win over the Florida Panthers. They not only snap a four-game losing streak, but really start off a homestand, a uh, six-game homestand on the right foot with a big victory over the Panthers. Uh, just real quick, I want to get your thoughts on on that game. A, a much-needed win for the team, uh, not only in the standings, but also I think morale-wise with how the road trip went, a 1-5 and five record coming into to Tuesday night's game. Yeah, big confidence builder. You go, you have a tough showing in Dallas. Then you go to Tampa, another great team. Um, you have a tough time there and then you, 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 some doubt creeps in, some frustration creeps in. You need something positive to go on and and you come back home. And anytime you come back home for an extended period, the talk is always like, let's, let's put some hay, hay away here and let's, let's build here. Let's get some wins at home. And to start off, then then you look and you got a Florida Panthers team that's coming in that's really darn good too. So you're, you, we got to find a way to stop this skid. And it was a great hockey game last night. And uh, two good teams playing, and it was fun. It was back and forth. Uh, the ending got a little close and a little hairy, and it was fun to watch. And the guys hung on and they battled. They competed. Some big shot blocks. Connor Murphy was awesome down the stretch. Um, some big plays. His last two shifts of the game, and it was a good team win. It was. Uh, your, your, your star players were great. Your role players were great. It was a, it was a really good hockey game and and then you end up winning it. Well, that's a good confidence booster. Connor Murphy, uh, a very timely guest on the podcast today. We'll hear from him on that stretch, uh, in the third period, a, a little later on in the show, but you touched on it, a great game from him. Uh, the Blackhawks get out to a three, nothing lead early in the first 25 minutes or so of that one. And Burke, can we talk about the very first goal a beautiful one from Dominic Kubalik, but the saucer pass for Brandon mm. Hagel to get the puck to Dominic Kubalik, a two-on-one, just perfect, right over the diving defenseman's stick. Uh, beautiful finish from Kubalik, but uh, Brandon Hagel just continues to be all over the place, makes the right plays at the right time, and showcased a little uh, a little deft uh, touch with the puck there uh, with that feed. Yeah, he's uh, he's getting better and better. He's fun to watch. He's he's fast. He is really really fast. I mean, he pulls away from guys on that goal on the sauce pass he made. Um, he took three strides and he pulled away from the defenseman that was right on his hip, or maybe it was a forward that started 
when he picked the guy's pocket, um, he just pulls away from guys. He's fast. He's energetic. He's, he's, he's an all around guy. You can see why his teammates like him, why his teammates like playing with him. And then you slide it over to Kubalik who just quietly, you know, throughout this league, just picks off points night after night after night. And, um, you know, he's having another quietly. He doesn't get talked about as much as he probably should. Um, the points that he keeps putting up six game point streak. Um, he's a guy that can just finish. You get the puck on his stick in a dangerous area and it ends up in the back of the net more times than not. Yeah. Dominic Kubelik ties a uh, career high six game point streak, two goals, five assists over the last six outings. And I think what's maybe more impressive there is the Blackhawks scoring as a whole, has kind of been down, especially coming off that road trip, only getting two, maybe three goals a night. Uh, so uh, important for Dominic Kubelik to find that confidence. Mackenzie Entwistle makes his NHL debut in the win as well. Uh, but it was the third straight night that Mackenzie Entwistle was playing a game. Jeremy Colleton saying before the game they wanted to get him in, kind of reward him for a, a positive stretch that he was having with the Rockford Ice Hogs, kind of getting his legs back under him. He told reporters on Wednesday, you know, he had a bout with COVID-19 earlier in the season, so really used the last maybe 12 games in Rockford to kind of get his legs back under him, getting back into game shape after not playing a game in, in essentially a year with the season early ending early a year ago. Uh, but, you know, he plays on Sunday evening for the Ice Hogs, plays on Monday evening for the Ice Hogs, and oh yeah, we're going to throw you into your first NHL game on Tuesday night as well. Uh, I mean, you could talk about tired legs, but I'm sure the uh, the energy is not hard to find knowing that you're going to make your NHL debut there. And he only got six minutes to play. He got a couple, you know, a couple good shifts here and there. I think he had three hits, two shots on goal, but uh, nonetheless, uh, an exciting moment for him and and one I know he'll uh, he'll never forget. Yeah, he's a guy that's been on the bubble for a couple of years. Um, you knew at some point he'd get a look and he'd get a crack to play. And two years ago, I think he came over in a trade, I believe, from Phoenix. Yep. And he was uh, he was a, a, a high-valued prospect, and he's been knocking on the door, and he finally got his, his shot. And usually, I, I can tell you, three games and three nights is really hard. It's taxing. It's hard on the body. Um, and then you got to go and uh, all of a sudden, then you got to go play an NHL game the next day. And the coaches, they, they manage your minutes and, and they knew that. And you know, like you said, six, seven minutes of ice um, isn't a lot, but um, I'm sure it was a thrill for him to finally knock it on the door here in Chicago to, to get that first game. And he finally got it. And um, so, so a fun moment for him not to be confused with John Entwistle, a guitar player for the Who, <laughs> uh, Mackenzie Entwistle, this first NHL game music trivia for you. Burr bringing the music trivia the last couple of weeks. I like it. Talking to, to yep. Yep. Uh, Malcolm Subban about his playing the guitar with him. And now we're getting some who trivia in here. Uh, the big yeah. story, the big story it. on the night though, uh, Patrick Kane and a little more subdued of a ceremony in his first game back at the United Center after playing his 1000th NHL game. And uh, Burr, I, th I think this will be the last time we talk about the 1000th game for Patrick Kane on the podcast for at least a couple of weeks. But uh, a cool moment before the game, you know, a very small ceremony. He doesn't get the big silver stick yet. That's going to be saved for when fans can be in the building and uh, the full party can kind of take place, the full celebration of, of his career to this point. But Jeremy Colleton said after the game, it was kind of cool because it was a little intimate ceremony. Basically, it was just the 20 members uh, dressed for the Blackhawks in the game on Tuesday night and a couple members of his family, you know, Patrick's mom, his dad, his girlfriend, Amanda, and, and newborn son, Patrick Kane III, all on the ice, uh, just taking part in a quick uh, acknowledgement more so than anything of, of that moment in his career. 
Uh, so that was really cool to see. But I think the funnest part was, you know, you have all the players in warmups wearing the number 88 jersey. Uh, what would be a dream lineup for, I think, any for, for any coach to have 20 mm. Patrick Canes on the ice? Can you imagine that? And then you have uh, no, nope, I can't imagine playing. I can't imagine playing against that. <laughs> That's a nightmare. You'd lose a hundred, hundred to zero. Yeah, a nightmare going the other way. But uh, a cool moment because you know Patrick Kane loves to do the the puck flip to the crowd after warmups. It's part of his uh, very you know strict routine before a game to flip a puck into the crowd without people at the United Center this year. He's been tossing it up to the two hundred level. Uh, for Tommy Hawk there. So everyone wearing a number 88 jersey on Tuesday night warm-ups also had to do the puck toss. And you could see the whole team doing it. I think at one point there were seven, eight guys flipping the puck at the exact same time up into the stands. Uh, poor Tommy Hawk was being berated with pucks in the 200 level for a couple minutes there. But uh, a cool way for the team to acknowledge that that moment for Patrick Kane. And uh, one I think he got a kick out of as well. You could kind of see the smile as he was coming off the ice. Uh, after seeing all of his teammates do that, I don't think he had an idea of that beforehand. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. It was always – I've seen that before where guys, uh, teams will wear that guy's jersey for it. And it's kind of cool when you walk into the locker room and usually the players, they don't know that the, the trainers are doing that or that's what's going to happen. It's not something that the players you talk about or the training staff or whatever. You, it's cool when you walk into the locker room and then you see every jersey hanging in the stall has it. They flip them around backwards. So you can see 88 and Kane. So it's kind of a cool moment and it's cool for the player. I'm sure for Kane to walk in and see everybody kind of kind of honor him and wear that jersey. And then it was cool. If, you, if people that are listening didn't get to see it, you can look it up on the internet, I'm sure, and see players hoisting pucks as hard as they can up to the 200 level. And I know we'll ask Connor about it, and it's kind of be fun to hear his his take on what what some guys, if you could launch it up there to the 200 level, it's a lot further than it looks to people. They get a puck way back up there, but it was a, it was fun to watch. Well, coming off of the night, we talked about the win, but the Blackhawks are entering a crucial stretch, and the Central Division race has really tightened up over the last uh, probably week and a half, two weeks. You have Dallas, who's trailing a little bit because they have a couple games in hand, but if you kind of extrapolate their points over those four games in hand and you know give them four points in those of a possible eight, kind of their record they've had uh, over the last 10, 10 games or so, if you kind of even things up at games, you'll have four teams, Chicago, Dallas, Columbus, and Nashville, sitting there with 33 games played, uh, you know, helping out Dallas a little bit uh, on the points side of things. All four teams separated by just four points with 23 games left in the season. Things are getting, getting really tight in the playoff race. And, you know, one, obviously we've talked about the Blackhawks not necessarily expecting to be a part of this season, but one that they're in nonetheless. And don't look now, but 10 of the next 15 are against those three other teams in the race for Chicago. So it's a crucial stretch of games ahead and one where we could know in the next couple of weeks, uh, you know, what, what is in store in terms of the playoff picture, but it's going to be a fight for the last uh, six, seven weeks of the season. And one that's going to be fun to watch for sure. Yeah, it is. And, and you're, you're going to hear um, guys talk about saying, you know, we want to, you know, try and pull away from the pack and, and try and, you know, not be a bubble team and be, a, it, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be back and forth. You're going to be three points up, one point out, four points. Up. It's going to be tight. And especially because of the schedule too, right? You're playing against all these teams you're fighting against. That's all you're playing against. You don't get to go to the East and play against a couple of East teams and pick off some points or pick off some free points possibly, uh, and not lose any ground uh, every night now. Um, these games are so important. They're going to be so tight. And 
I think as a fan, though, I think it's going to be fun to watch because every night now you're going to see these guys competing at such a high level, knowing that those two points that night are, are a good chance they could determine making the playoffs or not. And so it's going to be a it's going to be a fight down to the end. And and if I could, if you can say one thing that's going to benefit this Hawks team is they're kind of built for this grinded out kind of game right now. It's not the teams of the past where it was skill and you could turn it on late in the game and win a hockey game, as Stan talked about last week with us where the team was built that way. Then now it's a grinded out hard work lunch pail kind of style. And that's what it's going to take. I think those teams that are going to make the playoffs, it's going to be three, four teams that are going to get in at the bottom. Um, It's going to be grinded out kind of hockey. And and that's one thing this team, they've been doing a really good job with fighting and grinding it out and and gritty games and blocking shots and not just doing it with your top end guys. It's, it's your, it's your bottom grinder guys too. that are getting it done. And, I think that's going to make it fun um, for fans to watch this team down the stretch. And we've talked about it being a fun team to watch and just a lot of the young guys kind of stepping into their own and different performances, different guys stepping up night after night, really a a four-line full effort from the group. And you mentioned our conversation with Stan Bowman last week, and I couldn't help but think afterwards uh, of something he said, you know, around Kirby Doc being a little bit ahead of schedule from what they thought back in December when he had surgery on his fractured wrist. And I mean, a fractured wrist is not an easy thing to come back from, especially for someone who plays center and puts so much stress mm-hmm. on that wrist, but you know, not to get ahead of it, uh, uh, you know, too far, but Kirby doc's going to be back in the relatively near future. I would imagine. I mean, he's skating with the team. He's looking better and better day after day, and you look at this roster that the Blackhawks are playing with right now, can you imagine what kind of a boost it would be to get Kirby Doc down this stretch run that we just talked about? I mean, mm. you know, your best player, arguably, in the bubble last year in Edmonton, oh yeah, you're going to add him at the most crucial stretch of the season. It would be a massive boost. You know, obviously he's got to get back up to full speed and, you know, I'm not sure, I don't think he's going to come right out of the gate and score a hat trick in the very first game, but um, it's going to be a a great addition, almost a deadline addition for this Blackhawks roster without making an actual trade. Yeah, two points on that. I think you're right with what Stan said and, um, you know, if we can read between the lines, you don't usually say that if he's not like maybe like a lot ahead schedule, you say a little bit ahead of schedule from, you know, from what people are saying and seeing him skate and um, he may be, you know, well ahead of schedule and we may see him sooner than a lot of people would have thought possible. Um, Number one, number two, I think you're right. When he comes back, I think it's going to be a bigger boost than than people may think. Also, he's going to be fresh. This is a lot of hockey. These guys are playing and Stan mentioned it. We've heard Jeremy talk about guys kind of hitting that, hitting that peak of the season now where it gets hard and tired and those injuries are, or the kind of being worn down is starting to add up on these guys a little bit. And all of a sudden you're going to interject this young guy that's been dying to get back out there and playing and competing again. And he's going to be fresh. He's going to be fast. Um, Yeah. You're going to be a little sore the first couple of games just because of the contact and the, you know, you're playing at a little different level than you train at, but, um, but all the, all the things people are saying, his, his conditioning will be great. Um, His skating has looked great so far. He's been skating this whole time. You know, when you have a broken wrist, um, you can still skate, and these guys do that. They get out there and they skate. They're conditioning. They keep their legs going. They may not handle pucks for a while, but he's back doing that. And I think it's—I think he's going to surprise people when he comes back. How they're going to think, like, "Wow, he didn't miss much of a beat." That's that—that's that, my prediction. Something to keep an eye on in the coming weeks. We don't know when. Uh, we don't know how soon. But I mean, he's skating with the team. He went on the trip, the two-week trip through Dallas and and both teams in Florida. So. 
I mean, you don't do that if if you're not uh, kind of turning the corner in terms getting of close. rehab, but getting close for sure. One guy who I think, you know, as we transition to our guest today in, in Connor Murphy, you want to talk about someone who's had a huge impact on this team. And we've talked about it a couple times on a couple different episodes, but to me, Burr, Connor Murphy has almost been one of the unhung, unsung heroes of this roster this season. He doesn't play, you know, a flashy game. He's your shutdown defenseman, blocking shots, um, playing penalty kill time. But I think this has been the best season yet for Connor Murphy, and he continues to get better, I think, day after day. What have you seen from him this season? And just, you know, he's he's always been kind of that consistent guy back there for for the team. But I think this year more than ever, he's taken it to a whole nother level. Yeah, I knew we were going to talk to him today. And so I, I, I kind of focused and really wanted to watch him last night. And he was so good. I mean, and he's been he's been really good this whole year. But when you watch him and you want to get technical, watch how fast he closes on guys in the defensive zone and his stick. His stick is really good. He's got a long reach. He's got a long stick. And he closes on guys really fast. I wouldn't want to play against Connor Murphy right now. He's a guy that you, he would be really hard to play against. He's big. He's physical. He kind of just mauls you in the corner. And uh, not a fun guy as a forward to play against. And he's done such a good job closing on guys and defending well. He can skate. He's physical. Uh, really good decisions with the puck. Um, he's been awesome this year. And I'd agree with you. Probably one of the guys that – another guy that doesn't hasn't gotten talked about enough for enough credit. Um, but you can tell his teammates now. And you, they, you pick it up in some interviews saying, you know, guys like Murph and guys like Murph. And uh, guys have been playing really well. And the you know, veteran guys like Murph. And – um, his teammates, his teammates recognize it and they recognize the kind of the, the player he's been. And, you know, I know you've mentioned too some of the leadership he's had and he wears an A some games and in, in, on his Jersey, some games. And so he's providing some leadership too, but his play, uh, it's been, it's been awesome this year. And he's a big reason why, um, the defense of this team has kind of turned a corner from what we've seen the last couple of years. And, and he's been a big reason for that. Well, his birthday's coming up on Friday. He's going to be 28 years old. Uh, and now we'll send it over to our conversation with Connor Murphy. Now it's taken by DeHaan for Yanmark. The pass never got there. Carried on Hartquist driving to the net. Hartquist, what a diving play. Murphy, a great check. Now a shot handled by Lankinen. Oh! We are joined now by, uh, I guess, the soon-to-be birthday man himself, Connor Murphy. Uh, a birthday coming up on Friday. You're gonna be You're going to be 28, is that right? That is right. Big 28, and uh, first off, happy early birthday. Um, I don't know where an invite to our Blackhawks Insider podcast, yeah. our normal podcast here, ranks on your early birthday presence, but it's the most we could do for you, I think, in the COVID situation. You're inside the bubble. We're outside, so uh, I guess consider this our gift to you uh, here today, Connor. Well, that means a lot to me. Yeah, it won't be any parties <laughs> or anything, so this is, I think, as good as it's going to get, and it's, it's, it's pretty good. <laughs> well, I want to jump right into the game on Tuesday night, a big win over the Panthers. Uh, I, I think an important win, not only for what it means in the standings, but also maybe for the morale and, and for the confidence of this team. You guys go on that road trip. You play maybe better than I think the record showed. Um, we've That's one thing we've heard time and time again over the last week or so. But uh, how crucial was last night's game over Florida and to kind of get – get back, get that homestand started off on the right foot. Yeah, it's big. I think, especially against uh, a team like Florida, we haven't done so well against uh, on the road and um, guys just really wanting to, to bear down and, and kind of uh, 
uh, flip that streak around a little bit. I think it, it was a bit uh, demoralizing sometimes when um, you're playing those teams on the road and you feel like you have a good period or period and a half and then uh, and then you let one in and momentum shifts for too long and you end up losing those games. So um, I think that's where parts of those games we did play well and it was kind of trying to grab a little bit of confidence from those games and then uh, grab also a little bit of an edge to um, to push even harder uh, when we get home to, to flip that around and get back on the winning streaks because uh, we do show at times, uh, like the start of that game, that first period last night, we do show that we were able to hem teams in and uh, use our speed and quickness and skill. So um, those are things that we didn't use quite enough on the road and uh, we got to take advantage because we got a good amount of home games to do that here. I think last night, first of all, you, you were incredible. I thought that was one of your best games I've seen. Like you were awesome last night. Let's just talk about your last two shifts of the game. You one knee down, block shot off your knee, out of play, grade A scoring chance, followed up with that two on one sliding play that you make to break up. One of those two probably ends up in a goal, uh, most likely. Grade A scoring chances, good players. Felt like you were out there the whole end of the game. Uh, what's it been for you this year? Your your play's gone to another level. It seems like you're out there in every big situation. The coaches trust you. Your teammates trust you. You've been playing incredible. What, what what's your mindset been this year? Oh, thanks. It's nice of you to say, but I I just feel like uh, I think just being here now for a few years and uh, being comfortable with the team and and uh, with Jeremy and and with uh, just the organization in general playing uh, playing with this team just feels. Uh, you're able to gain confidence in your own game and continue to build. I've been able to stay here uh, in the off seasons and work with uh, with Keener and Polly and um, try to really work on parts of my game that I, I needed to and still need to improve. And um, those are just things that uh, I guess at times can show to to work. And then um, there's just there's just a lot uh, that still needs to build. I feel just as far as our team, I, I feel the same way uh, with myself and and that we have. Uh, have so much to show, but yet so much to give. And I think that's, what's uh, going to be that next step for us and me to be able to get over the hump, to not just be a team that can, um, can squeak into the playoffs or, or just squeak out of it. Uh, it'd be a team that can be around and get back to uh, a really good solid form of, of a top competitive team. I'd say not only on the ice with, I mean, you're having a, a career year in terms of time on ice and different roles. You're playing a huge role on the penalty kill as well, but I think off the ice and, and within the locker room, you're getting to weigh, getting to wear the A on your sweater uh, during some games. You're you're obviously taking a larger leadership role within this group. How much um, pride do you take in that, and and how nice is that to continue to grow, not only in your game on the ice, but in in your role within this locker room and within this roster? Yeah, I do take a lot of pride in it. It was it was a true honor to to have the A for a few uh, for the road games this year and. And uh, obviously, um, we miss uh, our big leaders with uh, Sieves and Taser and even Chazi. Um, so, so I was able to uh, get the letter with those guys being out. But um, been able to to feed off those guys and their leadership. I think they have such a great presence in this room, and uh, with a lot of us uh, guys on the team that have been uh, younger players coming to the league when they were uh, when they were having the peak of success here, um, have looked up to, and so that that presence and that. Uh, that example that they lead with, um, I'm able to follow that as as well as the other guys and, and try to pitch in with experience um, and that I've had before and um, try to do some similar things and bring a work ethic and uh, professionalism that I can. And 
that's just something that is definitely an honor to be able to have. And I think everyone has a bit of that piece of that rope to pull um, on the leadership side of things and uh, feeding off our, our, some of our big dogs that have been around for a little while. And then it kind of falls from there and realizing that everyone's role is, is super important. I think that's a bit of issues we've had years past is um, some guys you come in and you kind of look at the Canes, Taves, Keiths, uh, Seabrooks, Crawfords as guys that they're going to do it all. And we're, we're all in the background. And I think it's really important for everyone to step up and, and to know that uh, no matter what role you're in or how many minutes you're playing, it's going to have a, have a huge impact on a uh, winning season. The last couple of years, uh, people have talked about the team struggling defensively. I'm not just talking defensemen. I'm talking team defense. Uh, people have said it's the it's the system, and that's been changing. This year, it's completely different. It, the, the, you guys look quicker. You look faster. You look like you're not thinking. You're attacking. Uh, it's it's fun to watch. Um, I'm curious what what what's been the change this year for you? Is it systems? Is it is it familiarity with what you're being asked to do? What's the team defense? Why has it been so much better this year? Yeah, it's just funny. I think the the common trend people think a lot of times, like when you when you they hear uh, hear just lacking defense, letting up goals, they just think defense. They think they think of it as football, where you just got the guys yeah. defending and the guys playing offense. And it's true, Burley, right? That it's it's definitely everyone. And I think uh, when guys just have a bit of that familiarity. I mean, we even our new guys in the team that have played in Rockford uh, are familiar with Jeremy and and know of playing a certain way under him. And um, and I think just just that just guys having a little bit more experience with it uh even guys who've been here a while um to follow suit or sorry guys not been here a while to follow suit with everyone who has been here a while on just that that it becoming uh second nature a little more and they're still we're still working on it every day like today working on a lot of stuff defensively as well it's just uh something that you just have to continue to to watch video of and work on in, in drills to make it second nature because teams are so good in the league offensively now and with the way they call penalties and, and things, you have to really be in position and have your feet moving at all times and close those gaps as quick as you can. So it's as quick as you can make it become second nature um, with the system uh, and then everyone reading off each other and just putting in kind of that work into it. Uh, it's going to make it a lot easier. You touched on the young guys a little bit there, but I mean, what's it like being part of this blue line core group right now? You have yourself, you know, turning 28 on, Friday, but you're one of the veterans in this group. It's you, Duncan Keith, and basically Calvin DeHaan. And then from there, it's a bunch of guys in their first, second year in the league for the most part, battling for ice time, you know, getting their first steps in the NHL. But also you can tell the talent is there and just the, the quality of players that they are. What's it been like with that group this season and uh, just seeing kind of the maturation of some of those uh, those young prospects? Yeah, it's just really fun, I think, because you can feel that potential. Uh, you see guys like Boki coming into their own more and, and gaining strides every game. And even and Mitchie just, uh, he's been a guy that has been impressive right away. He comes in and he brings uh, a presence that he's got some experience, even though he, he hadn't yet. Uh, and just, and just has kind of the right head on his shoulders to know how to play uh, and how to show up every day to kind of, to continue that uh, process and that, that development of your game. Um, so that part is fun to see. And just that, that energy to, to want to get better from, from young guys and, and wanting to be here and, and wanting to gain minutes and, and, uh, and really, uh, earn their way into it. And that feeds into the rest of the, the decor and, and dunks being a staple player. That's been one of the best defensemen in the league for years. And, um, we're lucky to, to have him and, and then just the balance of him with young and he gets along with the young guys better than some guys, <laughs> young guys go with each other. He's a, 
we're all still uh, kids that have a good time together. And, uh, and then, and then just guys with experience, Honor and Z have great experience too. So I think everyone feeds off each other well and uh, everyone brings a little bit of something different uh, to kind of how they play their game. And that usually ends up uh, benefiting everyone when you can kind of fill uh, different holes and what kind of players are on the lineup. It was Kaner's uh, first game back at the United Center back in Chicago since hitting the thousand game milestone. Can you take us behind the scenes at all before or after the game? Anything uh, you guys did special in the locker room or anything um, uh, that we that we didn't get a chance to see? And then second part is I saw in warmups, Kaner for people that are listening always throws a puck into the stands during warmups to a fan, and you guys all went over there and launched him into the second balcony and and uh, Tommy Hawk trying to catch him. Did you get one up there into the second deck? Is the uh, could you get could you reach it up there? <laughs> well, for the the throw, the funniest part about that, it, we were talking about right when we got in the room after is that he's a lot further out than you think. Like your depth yeah. perception and the height. So I like gave it my all, and I don't think it, <laughs> I think it might have made a billion in the speed. It might have smoked the glass in front of that like re- the what were like the top of the suite is. But then uh, a couple guys made it really close, and then Dunks came in after, and he's got a kind of a bigger hook on his curve. He said that he launched it behind Florida's bench. He said he went to throw it up and he shanked it and it went straight left, <laughs> right and like right away. <laughs> so we got to find video of that. But uh, we didn't. We weren't able to do much uh, outside of the rink um, for Caners. It just with the COVID and I think just us not being able to get together um, to do things like that with the masks and the distancing and stuff. But it was the other thing too, is I think his a thousands was supposed to be originally at home. Yeah. And then because of our schedule getting changed. Yeah. Because of, they changed it around when we were in Carolina and they canceled the one game to have Tampa play them instead. I think that kind of messed it up and had us be on the road, which is, I think everyone would want to be at home for that. Thousands. We ended up being in Dallas and we just kind of like gave him that tunnel to walk mm-hmm. out on the ice to warm ups and then want to do a little bit of that something at home. So there'll be something I'm sure in the future. And, uh, um, we gave him a watch and, uh, as a team and presented that in the room and a couple speeches, but hopefully, uh, hopefully we're able to clear up COVID and get the guys all together outside of the rink a little more. Speaking of pregame routines, I mean, taking people behind the scenes, I've been fortunate enough to be on the road a couple times last season with you guys and just watching you, I've always been infatuated by, I, I feel like every player has their own pregame routine, their own off ice, uh, you know, way they get ready for a game, but, I don't think I've seen anyone's as as intense as yours with with Paul Goodman back there. Can you can you take us inside just what you like to do to kind of really get mentally and, and physically prepared for a game but before you take the ice? Yeah, it's evolved a little bit. Uh, I think it comes originally from having injuries in the past and wanting to make sure that your body's kind of primed. And it used to be more just you just stretch, and then now it seems to be more like talk about activation. So they talk about doing exercises and even like lifting a little bit of weights to get uh, yourself fired and primed to, to feel explosive on the ice. And uh, so it's kind of evolved into that. It's, it's, it, I do a little bit of like a dynamic warm up and then go into Polly's uh, circuit where it's some, a bit of a trap bar deadlift and some quick feed and some ball throws and a handshake with him and just have fun with it. And then uh, it's funny guys, guys do more of that now too. I like it to kind of feel that sweat and feel like you're, out of breath before the game. That way your first shift won't feel like such a shock. Um, but there's other guys doing it. Like uh, Paulie mentioned to me, he said he thought that mine was big. And then Soderberg this year is more, he, he'll do like heavy bike sprints and uh, do a couple back squats and jump squats. And 
different things and he's dripping pretty good um, before the game. So he's, uh, he's a beast. So there's, there's definitely a lot of that other uh, routine. I like it. Some guys do the opposite and like to, to not uh, do much before the game, but it's kind of just whatever works for you and whatever makes you feel best going into first shift. Burr, were you one of those guys as well? No, I wasn't let, lifting. When I finished, when I started finishing my career, guys were lifting heavy then. That's when just had kind of started where some guys would do some heavy squats before the game to get their legs going. Um, mm-hmm. I was never a soccer guy. Some guys I know I walked by the tunnel too, and some guys play soccer before, um, you know, two touch and juggle soccer balls before the game. But um, yeah, that was just kind of starting to be one of those things. And when I first got in the league, guys would sit around and drink Coca-Colas and coffees and tell stories and get ready to go. And now it was, then it got into lifting weights. So that's, yeah. it's pretty cool. And I have walked by and seen, seen Connor getting after it before the game. It looks like what most people do for their full workout is what Connor does for a, for a pregame warmup. So that's kind of the difference between these elite guys now and what it was way back in the day. But is this, is this year been, um, fun for you, Connor? Has it been different? Has it been kind of whatever I got a job to do? I go to the rink, I do my job and it kind of is what it is, or has it been, is there times when it gets frustrating? Like, gosh, I wish there were some fans here, man. I wish I could, you know, uh, celebrate a guy's thousands game with him. What's, what's this experience been like for you? Yeah, that, that, that stuff will creep in a little bit of that frustration of it being a different year. And I think it's been fun in the way of like, it's just different. Like, I think it's been a fun challenge from the start of the year, like accepting that it's not a standard season and even like playoffs before we're in the bubble, like knowing, knowing that circumstances aren't going to be the same and knowing that the world's in a different place with this COVID and uh, that we're lucky kind of, I think we, we all kind of took a step back everyone uh, in the world when COVID hits and realize like, Holy cow, like this is a big thing. And you worry about the health and your family. And then, and then you're able to realize how much you appreciate playing again and appreciate the fans and appreciate your team and, and getting, having a routine, getting to the week, to the rink and working on your game. Like it's funny when the rinks shut down and guys aren't skating for months, you're like, Holy cow. I actually, I, I actually loved being at the rink every day versus hmm. sometimes yeah. in the middle of the season on a couple of days off. So I think that was a bit of a, uh, re- kind of cool, um, to just kind of come to that reality a bit. So it's just been a fun challenge. I think, um, because you know you don't have that extra uh, boost of motivation from the fans that you're you're able to kind of work on different skills yourself to to stay in it and think about your process of of uh, working on your game and your team game and uh, staying within your team and not really having those distractions I guess as much as it's it'd be nice to have that to break up the year and that's part of the fun of being the NHL is having the stuff away from the rink um, it's just a different challenge to to uh, just stay within your routines all year because that's your only option. The last thing I've gotten, almost building off of that point of just a unique season, I know a lot of guys have done um, a lot of great things over the last year in terms of trying to give back to the community and just, you know, make sure that those that have been uh, affected or, you know, had just gone through difficulties over the last year have have felt needed. I know you've had maybe a, a more of a firsthand look at some of the difficulties. Your girlfriend, right, is a, is a frontline worker, one of the many people who um, is going above and beyond over the last year to deal with the, the pandemic. But you've gotten to see a, a little more firsthand of just everything that's going on. And I know you've uh, you've you've tried to make her and uh, her her employees or coworkers' lives a little bit easier as well um, during the off season. And just I guess take us inside maybe that aspect of of what you were trying to do and uh, just that importance to you to to try to make a difference in in some form or fashion. Yeah, I think 
uh, going along with what, what what the organization here does as a team and the Hawks Foundation and all that, uh, we do tend to get a good amount of appearances in throughout the year and the off season. And this year, with not having that, I think we're able to kind of improvise and um, where we could do these the Zoom calls and do calls with whoever it is, whether it's kids or different uh, groups of uh, staff or work, and uh, and then able to. Um, yeah, my girlfriend works uh, in the suburbs uh, here in Chicago um, on a COVID unit and able to was able to give lunch. And uh, Siebes and Dunks had done that a bit around the hospitals here and wanted to kind of uh, jump off what they had been doing uh, to help out a little bit too. So I think that's just something that everyone, going back to what kind of different realities you you, you face when COVID hits and realizing how everyone kind of did need does and did need to stick together to uh, – kind of keep level heads and uh, keep uh, everyone positive and, and try to stick together and get through hard times. So that's, that's important. And, and it looks like everyone has been doing that. It's cool with the internet, seeing uh, different ways people are helping. And uh, it's pretty cool to see the city band together in Chicago, is such a amazing city. And, and uh, it does feel like a great community that everyone sticks together and it makes it even more fun to be a part of. Well, that's great to hear and fantastic work by you, not only off the ice, but, but on the ice this season. And, uh, we're excited to see your trajectory kind of keep going up. I know Burr mentioned it, probably one of your best games of the season last night, but, uh, you've been a, a very consistent force for this team this year, I think on the blue line. And, uh, it's been exciting to see you continue to take that game to the, to the next level, almost night after night. Thanks. Appreciate that. Thank you very much. Well, for Adam Burrish and Connor Murphy, I'm Carter Baum. That'll do it for this week's episode. We'll see you next time on Blackhawks Insider, presented by Chevy Drive Chicago. Drive what Kane and Taves drive.